I shared a story with you last week about um, my opportunity right at the end of the message. And I'm just going to tie this in because there are a lot of you who weren't here. But last week I shared right at the end of the word, um, was, we were having a conversation about the family business. There's a lot going on in terms of teaching on relationships. And in fact, you'll see next week, Rick will be here sharing and, and you'll see for the next several weeks, there'll be a lot uh, of teaching done. I believe this is where God's taken the church, but about the law of relationship. But um, I had kind of been just sort of connecting those dots and interweaving in that the reality that we're uh, called to be a witness. Now, I know that I'm consistent in that, but as evidenced uh, by our own lives sometimes, I just don't think that we can say that enough. I think there's still a lot left to do. And I shared with you last week that I was in West Virginia uh, one day last week and had an opportunity to speak at, a, at actually a girls' event. It was like for several churches came together to do a bit of a conference for um, middle school girls. I think they were middle school, maybe even elementary, actually, because uh, I think, yeah, anyway, it's kind of irrelevant, but I think they started at first grade and went through sixth grade or something like that. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I know they were not very big. And um, so it was probably more like elementary. And But as I was sharing in their conference was called Princess Warrior, which was just worth repeating. <laughs> it was an epic conference. Man, they had these pink shirts with a uh, young lady with a sword, and it was just cool. <laughs> um, but anyway, I... I had shared about mission, not just missions, but mission, and how we're on one. And I even shared a bit about how uh, we are all called to share our faith, and essentially that we have our own story to tell. And so, catch up for the rest of those of you who weren't here. This one precious little girl, when I had pretty much finished, they were asking questions, which was really cool. And this one little girl raised her hand, and she was tiny. I mean, she must have been in the lower end of that age spectrum. And... She raised her hand and she said, so, I can start talking about Jesus today? Which I said to you last week, was just precious on steroids, man. Every adult in the room was instantly crying. <laughs> and I said, yes, you can. I want to talk to you this morning about our opportunity to testify our opportunity to bear witness to the fact that there is a God in heaven who loves his children. It's a precious, precious privilege to share our faith. And it is what and who we are called to be as his disciples. For years, I've been working on and, and sharing a teaching, and I share this often on campus and in various contexts called Eyewitness. Kind of an exciting time for us with that because we're doing more with it now than ever. We're working on a a video series, Isaac and Jacob and I, and doing some stuff with that. And we're actually making some progress. It's kind of been one of those things I feel like we've worked on for a while, but we were making some pretty significant progress. And I shared with you again briefly at the end last week that the concept for eyewitness basically comes from that pronoun I. Now it also has a little bit to do with iPad and iPhone, and I like that. <laughs> uh, but But really it's that personal pronoun I. Uh, first and foremost, that I, as I said, I, and I get to choose that. I get to be that. I get to walk in uh, relationship to the Holy Spirit. And, the, and uh, the verse that is our foundational verse for this teaching really is just Acts one eight, And you've heard it tons lately from me. And you, last week we emphasized the after part of this passage. And you shall receive power after 
the Holy Spirit comes on you. We talked about putting your mask on first, you know, on the airplane. There's a reason they say that, because otherwise you're going to be unconscious and you're not going to be able to help anyone. So this isn't a matter of deciding to bow up on it and say, okay, I got to, you know what, I don't like it, I don't know how to do it, but it's my job as a believer to go share my faith. It's not like that. It's that when we breathe in and breathe out who God made us to be, that it will be, as we said again last week, like a fire shut up in my bones. It's a story I have to tell, that I want to tell, that I get to tell. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many people try to live the God life without walking with God? I shared a story with you last week called Bang Bang Christians. I told the story about being in the military in a time when a guy, we were doing a range and he had two 20-round magazines of live ammunition. He forgot the second one and he found himself finishing the range literally going bang, bang with his mouth, bang, bang, which honestly wasn't very effective nor intimidating. And yet that's often how we try to face down the devil. Bang, bang. Ooh. But yet we can be overmatched in every way. Just like David. And we can still face down the giants. If we will remember. This is not our fight. And you shall receive power. Not you might, or not you could, or not you should. And I will not apologize for the redundancy today. It's worth saying over and over again. You shall. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you shall be my witnesses. Locally, translocally, globally. Across the room, across the hall, across the street, across the city, across this valley. Across the world. You shall. We're called to be witnesses. Witnesses isn't the business again of professional clergy or hired hands. That was never God's idea. This idea. It's the honored privilege of every part of the family to be about the Father's business. Witness is simply a choice to recognize God's heart for lost people, His plan to reach the world, and everyone's part in that plan. It is not, how to say, limited by what Paul spoke in Ephesians 4.11 when he said the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You say, well, I don't fit into any of those five. First of all, I would say that that, that gifting exists in each of us on some level and in some way, and often there's overlap. But in the church, he gave those to equip the saints. That's us. That's you for the work of the ministry. That's all of our work. That's all of our, our opportunity for building the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Again, it isn't a personality temperament or an appointment. It is simply a choice to live life with purpose on purpose and to be who God made us to be. It is a choice of intentional living. I say that quite often. It's kind of a, for me, this whole concept that we can live life with purpose on purpose, that we have to choose intentionality is huge for me. And I don't know that that applies anymore anywhere else than it does apply here, that we are called to intentionality. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now that was a specific word to Timothy, but principally it certainly applies to us that we can live a life of intentionality. And so I want to mention just a few things this morning to you quickly, some things I think we need to be intentional about in relationship to witness. I was just chatting before service to John and Ryan, who had said that they yesterday went to Roanoke. Ironic. I mean, that that was yesterday. Of course, I'm sure that's pretty regular uh, kind of activity for you guys. Maybe not necessarily to drive to Roanoke, but I have the sense that you do what you do wherever you are. I hope that that's true, and if you don't, then do that. That was a heck of a sentence right there. Put some commas and periods in there somewhere. Start over if you need to. But they, he was just saying, Ryan was just saying, yeah, yesterday we, we just drove over to Roanoke. I was asking how the summer was going. Yeah, yesterday we drove over to Roanoke just to kind of hang out and see if we could tell somebody about Jesus, basically. It was an intentional choice. And I'm sure it moved and motivated you to look for that, look for that opportunity to, to sow some faith, to share some love, to give some grace. Some A choice we get to make. An opportunity we get to seize. So I want to share again these just important concepts with you this morning. Number one, there are six eyes. used to be five, now there's six. They're really more like phrases. But number one, the first eye is that I pray. It is to intercede. It is that point of connection. To, again, this is, this is a bit of that put your mask on first. Because it is, Craig, it is that place where we pray. God, help my heart. Help me care the way you do. Help me see the way you see. We'll get to all that in a second. It is that prayer to God, I want to be close to you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. It's that prayer. It's that intercession for our own heart and our own lives. But it is also an intercession for our world. Uh, I don't know where you live. Okay, I know where some of you live. But I would just ask you this. This is not meant to be on any level, any sort of kind of condemnation. It's just a challenge to the church. But when was the last time you interceded for your neighborhood? Or the houses you drive by on the way to wherever it is that you go when you go? The ones that you see consistently. When was the last time that you just began to intercede for the people that you might have consistent interaction with? Receive this not as a condemnation, just as an encouragement and a challenge. To pray. James wrote in chapter 5 and verse 16, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Anybody believe that today? Don't you know that there are things that have happened in our lives and we don't even know why? Because somebody was praying. I found myself this week, Karen, listening to old school Jeff Moore in the distance. Remember when we used to live in Mary's student housing back in the day and the boys were this big and there was a song on one of those old 
uh, albums called The Keeper. Keeper, keeper of this life, you are my refuge, my savior, my guide. He talks about his grandma. He says, uh, sorry, I don't know. I'm just me. Just doing what I do. And he sings about his grandma. And he says, big black book in her small fragile hands. The words she read, they were too much to understand. Between the these and nows and the verilies, I watched my grandma live the truth in front of me. And at night I heard her pray, keeper, keeper of this life. You are my refuge, my savior, my guide. Watch over. And I used to sing it this way. Isaac and Jacob tonight. The power of a prayer of intercession. Not just for our immediate family, the kids in our own home. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. And the word righteous there just simply means choosing faith. In the redemptive work of God, it doesn't mean perfection on our part. That's not attainable outside of the grace that God gives. Pray consistently and faithfully. And I would challenge you in this. Pray for people with names and faces. At least pray for an address. Why not? Who wouldn't want to do that? Effective witness starts with prayer. I pray. What do you do? I pray. People ask me, how do you... You, you seem to come up with these opportunities to share. I pray. I pray in the checkout line before I start chatting to the lady. God, doing something right now. Karen and I moved this week. Very unexpectedly. We weren't holding out on you. We just didn't know what was happening. I left church last Sunday. Talked to the owner of our house. He said the house is sold. No big deal, he said. Obviously, your lease goes through the 15th of August. I mean, we knew we had a relocation coming because we had chosen not to buy the house. And he needed to sell it. And, but then shortly after that, his sister, who's a realtor, also called. She was a little more distressed than him. And she said, no, no, I wrote into the contract that you can move. Now. Now, the owner said, you don't have to move. This is her mistake. She's our friend. We're going to have to move eventually anyway. So we moved this week. We don't like to move that way. We like to prepack our boxes. My wife is a planner. I like that too. It's not even just her. I won't even just put that on her. I, I loathe just going into a room and starting to grab stuff. I want to order and organize it. One of the gifts of getting to move often, if you don't move often, try not to move at all. Because you people don't even know you are piling up some stuff. You think it's not there, but you start moving junk and you'll be like, where did we get all this stuff? This has nothing to do with anything. It's a free information I'm giving you right now. We move often and we're still, how did we do this? How did we put stuff everywhere? There's an attic? It's just like craziness. Anyway, but in order to move that quickly, we really honestly just couldn't find a place immediately available. So we ended up moving into Heathwood, which basically is Fox Ridge. It's just like we're in an apartment. And I have to be frank with you, it was really hard on my heart. And we, we didn't even hardly look at the apartment. We just, we could get a quick lease, a six-month lease, and... We just got a storage and started picking stuff up. I mean, literally, it went that way. And it was just hard coming off the Christmas tree farm. But it was God. It was the right thing to do. We believed that God said we could do the right thing. And so we 
We tried to walk in that grace, but we got in the apartment. It, the grace was a little hard to see right away. Air's not working. We're like, what just happened? And But then we walked out. Got our keys. Going to try to figure out if we can find a truck to start moving stuff in or whatnot. And people started walking out of those doors at the 3300 building. Mostly Chinese people. Several of them with little kids. And I heard God say, so you can have a vision for the New River Valley. You can have a vision for Africa, but you can't have a vision for Fox Ridge. I mean, it wasn't ugly. He didn't say it ugly. It was straight, straight talk from the Father. That's what we call that. I get that a lot. I don't know how that works for you, but I get some straight talk from the Father. And just started to intercede. Okay, God, we got six months. Let's see what we can do. And a prayer, prayer, I don't know what it's done so far inside the doors of those apartments. But I know what it's done inside my heart. Intercede. I'm still going to have a hard time going back. The air's still not working very well. Okay, I mean, it's challenging. Karen was amazing. She was like, hey, this is where we're supposed to be for this season. Let's be here, which is a good word. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people. You know, the shame of this passage is that we've read it so much. The word intercede means to stand between. It means when we intercede, we become a point of connection between our friends and the Father. It means even though we may not fully understand prayer until we reach eternity, what we do know is that God said pray. And God honors prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I understand that's Old Covenant and Old Testament and it so much applies to what I know about the heart of the Father for our day too. I pray the second I as I see I share about this a lot here. I talk about how one of my prayers that I pray consistently is God help me see what you see today. I've shared that with you. I'll say it again. I won't spend as much time on it just because I do talk about it consistently but suffice it to say that if we can't see Isaac was telling me recently telling one of his friends and Jacob went to a movie, Josh, at the Rave, or is that a Regal? Regal. And it was a 3D movie. And he said it was really good. I mean, often they, I know, I don't always like the 3D movie, but sometimes they're really good. He said this one was really great. And they walked out, and the guy said, man, it would be cool if we could see in 3D in real life. Isaac said, you know we do see in 3D, right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who that was. <laughs> he was from Kai Alpha. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I'm thinking this is three-dimensional. I will say this to you, though, and this is a metaphor I've used with you before, but that when we see the way that God sees beyond what we can see, it's even better than 3D glasses. It gives us a perspective that we can't have without Him to see what God's doing. We are meant to connect and to see what God's doing in the lives of people around us. I think, I, I mean, Jesus did this all the time. Jesus, He saw. He just had this incredible ability just to see. 
to see into the deep parts of people's hearts. And we could, I could give you a litany of examples. I don't know that there's a better one than Jesus interacting with the woman at the well. He just saw. He knew. He was aware. I had shared with you, and I'll say again, when Nick and I were having um, a coffee at Panera here a few months ago. Do you remember that? And there was a lady that that had walked through, and I had been praying. And Nick even was challenging me. Ron, how do you... Okay, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today, got to love Nick Vitelli, is how, how does this happen? And I said, well, Nick, one of the things I do is I pray that God will help me to see. And in fact, just a moment ago, a lady walked by, and she just had heaviness written all over her face. We're at Panera. And I said, she sat, she's sitting. I know she went to sit. I glanced a couple of times. She's sitting over my shoulder back against the wall. And I said, she was carrying sunglasses. And I said, I would bet that if you look now, she's got those sunglasses on because she looked like she was about to cry. And Nick is looking at it because he's facing her direction. He said, she, I can see tears coming out from under her sunglasses. She's got them on right now. And then he said, what do you do? Remember this story? I said, I pray for Karen to walk in. <laughs> you know, or Marcy or Leah. Danielle was on my list. Please send Danielle Vitelli right now. That would be awesome. But they didn't come. And so Nick went this way to leave the restaurant. And I went this way. And I went over and I said to her, ma'am, Excuse me, but I was actually just sitting over at that booth, and I felt like God said to pray for you. And she said, oh, well, everybody needs prayer. And I said, yes, ma'am, everybody does, hardly anyone more than me. But I did feel specifically like God asked me to pray for you. Is there something going on? I'm standing up. You know, I can't get into her business. That's not even appropriate, and it wouldn't have been the right way to have a best opportunity. I was just trying to hear, to see. That's all I was doing. Didn't have an agenda. Didn't have something I had to do to feel good about what I was doing. I just wanted to see. God, help me see what you're doing right here. This is important. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to do more harm than good, but I can walk confidently as a son. Right? Who sees? We all operate differently in the prophetic, but we're all meant to see. We're all meant to hear. A lot of people in this body see in prophetic ways that I don't. But I see. I joke that I'm an underrated prophet. But we all are. We underrate ourselves. Really, we underrate God. His ability to give us a clue, a revelation. She said, well, I am going through a lot of really tough relational stuff right now. And I said, well, here's what I think this story is. I think God just wanted you to know that you're not alone in that, that your father sees what you're dealing with. Because he led a random stranger across the room. No, to let you know that he sees and he is with. Now she's in full out, just, she's just crying. And I said, God just, uh, and she told me her name, and I just prayed a, just a brief, like, ten, ten word prayer with my eyes open. God, and I said, you know, just remember, you're not by yourself. And um, I'm just saying that God can help us. That's what witness looks like. It looks like seeing John 4.35. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white. For harvest. Look for, pray for God appointments. Again, I said this earlier. It's not even just those random connections. Moreover, it's the people you already know. Ask God to help you see what your sphere of influence is. There are people that you have influence with right now. And some of them are believers. That's okay. 
Last week we said, do what you do where you are. I know that's like the most simplistic profundity ever. Say what you have to say. You have something to say. Say that. Pray to be able to see your sphere of influence, the people that you have an opportunity now to invest in, to care about. Do that where you are. Other opportunities will come. Start where you are, though. Don't try to, okay, ignore this, the relationships you already have, the people you already know, the points of connection you already have or enjoy, and ignore those and then try to go somewhere else. That's nonsensical. The kingdom is a network, and you are where you are on purpose. Pray to see that. Then you can go to Roanoke, too. You can do both. Make a to-do list. I wish that that was. I wish that that was something that you would say. If someone said, "What is what is one of the top ten things Ron says?" I wish you would remember that because I've said it a hundred times. Make a to-do list with people's names on it. It's the best kind of to-do list. Who to love today? I pray, I see, I care. Just a quick point to connect us with the fact that compassion is the right response. It's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to clarify our motive and our heart. Because in witness, it's so necessary that that comes from the heart of the Father. I can't ever begin this teaching without stepping all over this point before I get to make it. Because the heart is, the heart of it is what matters most. Compassion is the right response to the grace and mercy God has shown each of us. Last week we said it this way, we are blessed to be a blessing. Luke ten twenty seven. you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor. Back to the calling. Said it last week, say it again this week. I know we are all called to love other people. We're called to that. It's so great to know that we can know what we're called to. We're called to know God and love Him and to love others. It's beautiful to get to know that. And those opportunities come constantly. That that opportunity to care comes constantly. It's the one that's never far. It's easy. It's the easiest one. This is the easiest part of being a witness. It's just to care. I'll tell you what, I had loved Timothy Flieger. What a cute kid. This rocks my world. And I noticed this morning that Lois was working in whichever room that is. And so I went back and I just needed a minute with Timothy. And he was so precious because we've started talking a lot. And so I sat down and he just started a conversation. I, I skidded across the carpet and I burned to my bottom, he said. I said, well, sit down right here and tell me about it. And we were talking about turtles and the power being off. And, and I did it because, well, I do enjoy talking to Timothy. But because God gave me an opportunity to have a relationship with Timothy, and I care. I figured that out. I was like, I actually really care. That's good to know. Last night was funny. Walk out of the apartment. We've had plenty of parking at our house. I mean, in 120 acres there. 
wooden, wooden real tight spaces. It's a little more crowded at uh, Eighthwood. And um, park my truck way over there by the dumpster. I don't even mind if it gets scuffed. That's not the point. But I just know it's a bit, you know, it's a little big. But I came out of the apartment last night to carry something to the dumpster or get something out of the truck, actually, I think. And I was just coming out, and there was a car backing up right into my truck. And um, so just, and then the people pulled up real quick, and they jumped out, and it was a Chinese couple. I'd already seen them go in a couple of times, just a young couple. And I don't know what she was saying to him, but it wasn't real friendly in its tone. But uh, I walked over, and I'm going toward the truck, and now their eyes, they look, and they see me, and their eyes are like that big, that big. And I said, good evening, or something like that. And she says, is this your truck? I said, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not her. It's okay. This is your truck? Yes, ma'am, it's my truck. I own this. She said car. She was calling it a car. I can't call my truck a car. That was the only thing I was a little upset at her about. <laughs> I tried to let it go. I figured it was a language issue. <laughs> That's a truck lady. And I said, yeah, it's it's mine. I own it. It's okay? He's going, it's okay? I said, it's perfectly fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. What's your name? I'm Jimmy. Get right. <laughs> I'm Jimmy. Ji Jin Hong is his name or something like that. I don't know what it is, but Jimmy. I'm Vicky. Nice to meet you. We just moved in. Look forward to being acquainted. It's okay? It's okay. Okay. Have a good night. It's too easy. I came back in. I was like, sweet. I took care and a little Chinese couple just hit my truck. She looked at me funny. I said, oh, what, what a great opportunity. I mean, how are we going to meet these people? I've been trying to figure that out. I said, I guess I'll just have to sit outside by the mailbox and pretend I'm looking at my iPad and meet people as they come and go. How are we going to do that? This was perfect. I guarantee you, Jimmy and Vicky, every time they see me, it's going to be, hey. And there's some white paint on the back bumper as a not-so-subtle reminder to pray for them. Right? You know what breaks my heart as much or more than anything else in the kingdom? Is when someone cares a lot about their stuff. That hurts me. Just as an aside. But the opportunities to care. And to show compassion. To go by the hospital. When it's not convenient. To take a minute and chat to a kid. Maybe of someone you work with who's not saved. I've said to you before. You want to know the best way to get to a parent's heart? Care about their kids. Love is, again, simultaneously our most important motivation and our most effective means for impacting the world. Lamentations 3.22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. As children who understand the heart of the Father, we don't do what we do because of God's favor or in an attempt, I'm sorry, we do what we do because of God's favor, not in an attempt to earn it. Let's read my own sentence. Luke 12.48, everyone to whom much was given. Of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. We are just so blessed with the compassion of the Father. 
Number four. So let's see. We've got I pray, I see, I care, I connect. That fourth one is huge. I, I just I don't have time to do it justice today. It's a teaching I, I generally take a good bit of time on. I've shared a lot of my ideas about this with you before. But the decision to connect is so critical. I mean, not everyone's going to have the blessed opportunity to have someone back into their truck. Most of the time, we're going to have to work a little harder for it. And the reality is that often we exist in two parallel universes. What you guys chose to do yesterday was important. And to do that even again in that identifiable sphere of influence, maybe it is in a dorm or an apartment that you go across the hall, you take an opportunity to strategically place yourself where you you can say connect with someone. But often we exist in two parallel universes, and the metaphor that I generally use with this is that somebody's got to somebody's got to make a turn. Someone's got to go perpendicular here. Had someone off at the pass. Make some choices. Jesus did that. Again, I think about Jesus intersecting the man at the pool of Bethesda, or as I mentioned, the woman at the well, or seeing Zacchaeus in a tree, or going to have a meal with Simon. All the different choices that he made that were intentional attempts to connect. And we we get to do that too. Think about the ways we can do that with ball games and cookouts. The co-workers, the people in your world, in your neighborhood. And why not invite the people in the neighborhood over for an for opportunity to grill? Man, the, the power being out the last week was a great opportunity to show compassion to people. We had a bit of a misfortune. We survived the first two nights of power outages, or the first two storms, but then our power went off in the middle of the day on Monday. And we had someone come stay with us Sunday night. Uh, they left. We also had someone else bring meat to put in our freezer. They came and got it. But, I mean, it was a great opportunity to check on people and say, hey, can I help you? Not even just people in your own circle of friends, but maybe just outside of it. But, again, man, one of the greatest things, I mean, if you work in, a, in the marketplace and learning a little bit about your coworkers and finding out what they do, we have this misconception that in order to connect, we have to compromise. Or that because we don't want to compromise, we just can't connect. And neither of those are true. There's a way to connect and not compromise who you are as a son or a daughter and what you believe about the destiny the Father has for you. You can do both, and there are tons of opportunities. As I mentioned a minute ago, you hear someone's in the hospital from where you work or in your community. Oh, my goodness. Just down the street, you heard they're in the hospital. Go find out where. We do that here pretty well. But why don't we do that there? Birthdays, favorite snacks. I'm just talking about the people in your world, knowing their favorite snack. I mean, be careful. You don't want someone to think you're stalking them. But, you know, wisdom for that. Here several months ago, Tom gave me a brand new package of Ticonderoga Black pre-sharpened pencils. Because he's heard me say, I like those. I have not opened those. I've been through lots of pencils, but that's an encouragement to me that someone was actually listening. I mean, I know y'all listen. I'm not offended in that, but it just was, it, it spoke value. I was like, huh, I'm going to use them eventually. Why not do that? Remember that time you baked us a loaf of bread? And I bet some of you do do that. You do that for your neighbors too. 
Good job to connect. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It is a matter of imploring people, connecting with people, building bridges and also crossing bridges. I say here again that often we will build a bridge but never cross it. Advanced theology. I said this in our Eyewitness Wednesday, right, Lisa? That advanced theology on evangelism is we build a bridge but we just don't cross it. We feel like we did good. We made a point of connection. But to deeply connect is to cross that bridge. Take another step. Don't just have a good congenial relationship with someone at work. Invite them on a double date. Hey, we should get dinner at the Olive Garden sometime. I'd like you to meet my wife. You used to do that. You've done that when you've been in the marketplace. Kudos. (laughs) And honestly, often as the spouse, I'm like, really? I don't know them. (laughs) I'm the whiny pants in that scenario. (laughs) But then I'm like, okay, that was a great idea. Sorry about that. It's making a little bit of a move past your comfort zone. Luke fourteen twenty three, and the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and edges and compel people that they may be filled, that the house may be filled. Come into my house. Compel them. Compel. We need to be more compelling. I could tell you lots of stories right here. I have them in my notes, but I took too much time somewhere else because I don't see the space for those stories. I think of, I'll pull a couple conversations that I've shared historically from times that I would spend at different restaurants like Joe's. When I was near to there and I ate there consistently, I developed relationships with people and I would find out what they were studying in college. One of the things I did, I found out this one young lady was studying the French Revolution. So I started telling stories that I would share in sermons. I would say, hey, yeah, oh, so you're still studying about so-and-so. You know, I know this story about Napoleon. But then I would tie in what that looked like in terms of um, why I used it as a metaphor and have an opportunity to share and literally saw people come to faith in Christ and even come to this church. From those interactions and those connections, those choices, I do that randomly. I do that with people I know in my world, and I don't do that near enough or near well enough. Grace to do more, God. Right here. Grace to do more. had an interesting interaction several months ago. I was sitting on an airplane. Got bumped to first class. Different story than last week. Got bumped to first class. You remember this? And I'm flying, and the guy gets on the plane. He's really tall, and a uh, real tall black dude, actually. Remember this story? Basketball buddy? Anyway, and so he's, he sits down, and I was like, I know him from somewhere. I started a brief conversation. I didn't say, hey, to who, who the heck are you? I was just like, hey, what's, you know, you coming or going? And he said, well, I'm going to Little Rock, visit a friend. And um, I was flying to Little Rock, and, and then I realized it was, it was uh, Brian Scott, or I'm sorry, uh, not, uh, yeah, it was Byron Scott, sorry. I think I'm Brian Russell. It was Byron Scott. Who's the head coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers and won a lot of championships playing for the Lakers? So I'm sitting next to him. I'm chatting with him. I chatted with him for about 15 minutes, just about random stuff. And um, about family. I mean, it wasn't really random. I mean, we were having a really good God conversation. I was telling him, you know, about some of the things we do different places and whatnot and having a good chat. And then I asked him, I said, so how do you feel about your draft pick? Because they had just drafted Kyrie Irving out of Duke. And he smiled. He said, so you, okay. Because <laughs> he didn't know to that point that I knew who he was. I never said anything. We we were in the air before I mentioned that I recognized him. And I said, I know who you're going to see in Arkansas. You're going to see Daryl Walker because he used to be an assistant coach for you. He said, yes, I am. I go there every year and play golf with him. 
Anyway, but it just turned into this incredible point of connection where ultimately I was praying for this head basketball coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers, prayed for him, that the situation with LeBron James going to Miami, he would have an opportunity as a son who knows his father to see that redeemed for a city. How random is that? It was just an intentional conversational decision to connect. Lastly, okay, next to lastly, there's more I could say there. Honestly, this is a multi-week teaching. Synopsisizing, I'm deciding which parts to leave out as we go here. Yeah, that's a word I made up, but I like it. It's interesting when you can take the word synoptic and make it long. I think that's pretty special. I say, not only do I pray, I see, right? I care, I connect, but I say. Say, you gotta say it. My buddy Rick Hickman sitting right over there. He's always my Rick's moved. <laughs> Rick ain't sitting there. <laughs> that was a shocker. Bev is still sitting there. I've often used Rick as an example here because when Rick came to Christ, I mean, it was a moment where we were chatting and he was telling me, man, I got to, you know, I need some deliverance from some of the things that are going on in my life. And I said, I know a guy can help with that. And he said, man, I've tried just about everybody. And I just told him, I said, well, you're going to think I'm just crazy, but who I was talking about was Jesus. And immediately Rick got a big tear in his eye, Bev, because he, he knew something about Jesus in his heart, just needed a point of extraction. There's that place where we are often unwilling to risk, that point where we just have to say it. There are friends that you've walked with for a very long time, and you you have held back the most critical information that you could possibly share, which is just this, that you just need Jesus. I mean, you've done everything but get to that place where you would say, or at least that's been true for me. I mean, I shouldn't speak that over you. But often, may I say, often that's the part we don't do. Maybe we pray for them. Maybe we do deeply care. I think that probably is the easiest. Maybe we we see and we care and we even on some level begin to connect. But then somebody's got to say it. Man, if we could just get them to church where Ron would just give an altar call, that would be so good. I wish Ron, Or if we could just get them, you know, somebody could just tell them the gospel. You are the gospel. Someone gave St. Francis Assisi credit for saying, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Sounds cool, but I will say this. It's necessary to use words. It is true that people won't care what you tell until they can tell you care. Don't just talk, please. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Can I add an addendum to that that I'm always sharing with you? But your talk talks too just a place to say you know we've been friends for a long time and you're incredible but you're hurting and the only real answer for you is jesus i know you have objections for church i know somewhere maybe you feel like you got hurt but that wasn't jesus and the father misses you when you're gone how is that mean to say it's not the same as saying you're going to hell (laughs) i would suggest against that for the most part doesn't usually call people to God. I'm not going to tell you there's never a place to say it. Hear what he says to say and say it. But I'm going to say love is your 
is again simultaneously your highest motivation and your most effective resource. But you've got to say love too sometimes. Say it. This is a great verse. Romans 6.23. The wage of sin is death. But, what a great conjunction. The gift of God is eternal life. Sometimes I fear that we hold people's hands to hell. We walk a lifetime with them. through all kinds of crud. And then we'll just drop them off the door of hell. That may be the hardest thing I've said in a very long time, but man, why not? Oh, man, come on. Say it. And the grace that God gives to tell his story, there's no grace like it. There's just no grace like it. Like you're right here, and that grace is right there waiting for you to go. I just need to tell you that you need Jesus. And you step into that. Am I right? There's grace for that. There's grace for you to tell them how and who. And I know God has been so good to me. Tell your story. That is the gospel. I've been in this situation. I understand this challenge or this difficulty. God's been faithful. Remember my story about my friend Sam Abbott from work? And I had spent two years investing in this totally rough cut cat. I mean, totally rough cut cat. And, um, I mean, I had really talked a lot about God and the goodness of God, but I never got to the point where I just would say to Sam, Sam, you need to give your life to God. I mean, we've been talking about this for a year. And freedom is is one decision away for you. Come on, dude. But I don't want to say it. I don't know why. I just hadn't done that before. Not like that. Not for someone who at one point told me he hated God. I mean, we've come a long ways, but I, we were there and we were praying. We were working in a in a, a warehouse full of dust, leaning over um, eight bags of 80-pound quickcrete, just moving some stuff around the warehouse. And my cousin Tommy comes in. Remember this? My cousin Tommy, the most obnoxious witness in the history of the earth. I mean, he's that guy. He's that guy that's got the King James and he's about to tell you. I mean, you don't want him binge preaching on campus. We all getting kicked off. You know what I'm saying? Tommy softened a lot, but that's that's the old Tom. And he walked in. Him and Sam had been in fistfights. I mean, that's just, they didn't have a good relationship, you know? The bridges that I'd built, Tom had torn a couple of those down already. So I was concerned when Tom walked in, and Sam was moved by God. I mean, you could see it in his face. His eyes were full of water. None had leaked out yet, but they were full of water. And Tom walks in, and he's over here doing something, and he's eavesdropping. And I'm thinking, Lord, get him out of here. Move him on. Uh, this is the enemy. The enemy's brought Tom in here. He's trying to shut this down. I'm interceding against what God is doing. You ever been there? Thank the Lord for the grace not to answer every prayer I pray. Because Tom slips over and he says, Sam, you know what you need to do? And I was like, here it is. This is it. He said, Sam, you just need to give your heart to God. Y'all been talking about this for a long time. You just need to do it. And Sam looked up. Tears are cutting through the dust on his face. Literally. I'll never forget it. 
cutting through the dust on his face. And he said, boys, I'm going to do it. Right there, man. Gotta say it. Jesus. Say it just like that. Do your arms like that. What else to say to you? Jesus. God can help you with this. You'll let him. He wants to right now. Right now, he wants to help you with this. I'm going to be your friend no matter what, but you need to know I can't do for you what he can do for you. Say it. I pray, I see. I care, I connect. I say. And lastly, I stay. Jesus said it this way, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's no salvation quota, right? For effective witness, it truly is something that's motivated by love, and it doesn't stop at salvation. You don't have a little, you know, you don't make a check on your belt. Let me get a little cut there. That's the 73rd person this year I've led to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It's very personal and relational. You don't count. We never save anybody anyway. How ridiculous would that be? Only one guy ever saved anybody. He died on the cross and came out of a tomb wide awake. We just be. And we stay. We stay. You know what? I mean, I've had an opportunity to lead a lot of people to Christ that I just didn't know because someone else did all the groundwork. And then I was the guy in the front. But that person, I encourage people who did the, the relational compelling to stay, to, to make disciple makers who make disciple makers who make disciple makers. That's how the kingdom is reproduced. And it's how the lost get found. And it is God's discipleship is. Discipleship is God's evangelistic strategy. How people say, well, our church is really evangelistic. Our church is real discipleship oriented. <sighs> Water and wet. That's how those go together. Real discipleship leads to effective witness and causes the lost to get found. Deep, impactful relationship with God will always impact the world. Outside the doors of the church, outside our hearts and in our world. And then the people that we've had the opportunity to introduce to their destiny will also be effective, deep in their relationship and effective in sharing their faith. There's no backup plan. This is God's strategy to save and redeem the world. So, I can start talking about Jesus today, she said. Yes, you can.
Thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, I'm praying for impact. I'm praying that this is 50 minutes, Lord, somehow would impact our lives in the way that we walk with you. I pray today would be a, just a, a watershed moment in our lives and in the live, life of this church. I know that's an incredibly optimistic prayer, but Lord, with faith, I believe it's your will. God, that we come out of here full of joy, boatloads of peace, grace and mercy, but also somewhat sober-minded in the way that we approach how we're going to live our lives, Lord Jesus, to live intentionally, believing in the power of who we are in our world. God, that your dreams for the Nerva Valley, for our communities, for our homes, for our relationships that come true. God bless and empower this people. Bless all the effort that's already been made. There's a ton of it. Bless all that effort, God. Lord, that we don't need any visible sign to say that we're doing the right thing, but rather in our hearts, we'll just know that we are being who you made us to be. And that that's, that's what we want, God. And that's how we want to walk and work and live. Lord, I pray in Tree of Life and the interactions and connections with parents, Lord, what an unbelievable opportunity to love and serve in a soap. In the food bank and that, God, that we do, we do as a body, we do corporately. But God, I pray that those are just, those are types of what our own lives will look like and how we'll live and the way that we interact. God, I thank you for the programmatic and even pseudo-programmatic points of connection that help us together know how to, to be impactful in this community. But beyond that, God, I pray you would speak life and vision to each of us individually. And that we would see in our own world that even as we walk and work together and as we grow, God, there are tons of opportunities to care and to connect and even to say it after we pray it. Let's pray in destiny right now, church. Let this be a prayer of faith. Let your will and work be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know that's two weeks in a row I preached outside the doors of the church word. Um, love you very much. Hope you have a phenomenal week. If anyone needs prayer for healing, um, I'm going to ask some elders to be here. Tom, uh, Terry, Pat, could some of you guys, guys from the healing ministry prayer team, you could just be here. My elbow's not doing very well. Just, just to give you a bit of a prayer request. I'm heading to Living Waters today, so I appreciate it. It's developing a lot of scar tissue, so we don't know why. I don't want to take advantage of the fact that I have a microphone, though. I'm sure there are lots of other needs as well. So if you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to come here so we can pray for you. Otherwise, have a blessed, blessed rest of the day and an incredibly, uh, just an incredibly intimate week with God as we walk out our faith in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I'm doing it again. I'm preaching in my prayer. See ya! <laughs>